Good cross in. Ellen White, brilliant finish. He's picked out Siri Vaughan, who looks to pick out the corner. Oh, Siri. And here's the danger. Sam Kerr is away. Is this to be her moment? And she pick out a yellow shirt. It's Miedemar. And Vivian Miedemar scores again. The WSL is well and truly back underway as the Gunners shoot down the Seagulls, Chelsea give Bristol City the Blues and life's a pitch for Liverpool and Manchester United. We'll have all the reaction to this week's top flight action. Plus, we'll be discussing Nick Cushing and the other major talking points in the world of women's football this week. That's all coming up on this first episode of Football 51. Welcome to Football 51. We should start by telling you a bit about what we are. We're trying to make women's football bite-sized and also focus on the tactics. And why 51? Because 51% of the population in the UK and Europe are women, but most of the football is men. That's right, so we'll be starting this week's podcast by talking about all the fixtures that took place in the WSL. That's Man City Everton, Chelsea Bristol City, Arsenal Brighton, the lack of fixture between Liverpool and Man U... But first, our game of the week. Now it's Mitchell who goes for a shot and this time it's in. A wonderful strike from Emma Mitchell. The Arsenal low knee makes it Tottenham 1, West Ham 0. Calabada Archie, ball might come back out. This is a real chance and that's the equaliser. As we head into injury time. Tottenham though pressing forward through midfield. Ball played up the pitch. Addison onto it. Angela Addison squares the ball. It's a header and it's in. Addison finding Rihanna Dean. And she scores for the third game against West Ham this season. Yes, that's right. The first London derby of the decade. Now, before this, Spurs had only won one of their last six WSL matches. And um, when they played West Ham before, it was in front of a slightly bigger crowd. Almost 25,000 people at the London Stadium. Now, this was an incredibly exciting game. I think Kara and I and Inigo, when we were watching in the stands... We sort of, you know, second half, not much happened. And then suddenly, just before the end of of normal time, you have this West Ham equaliser and then that header from Dean in stoppage time. It was one of the most exciting ties of the whole whole weekend. Especially tough for West Ham because they had flu last week and they haven't played since the 11th of December. That's right. It was a really interesting game that we actually went to, Sophie and I. Uh, we had our producer Inigo there. The three of us, we went along to the match. It was quite a good one to be at. We witnessed what I'm saying is a completely accidental opening goal by Emma Mitchell, to be honest. I really don't think that the Arsenal Loney new signing, making her first start at home in front of the Hive crowd, I don't think she actually meant the shot at all. It's a really... If she did, it's an amazing left-footed strike that's come just off a corner. But you know, I honestly think she's mishit the cross. This is where we have to disagree. I really, really don't believe it. I mean, when we were speaking to Emma Mitchell afterwards, she said it was from a set piece that they practised. Also, the ball curves perfectly into the corner. I think that the new signing did it on purpose and it was a beautiful goal. But her celebration was a bit muted. The most interesting thing for me about Emma Mitchell signing for Spurs is the fact that she's come from Arsenal. It might seem 
to sort of casual observers of the WSL like that's a massive deal. But honestly, I don't really think it has been that much of a problem. It's a common thing that sort of players cross the club rival divide. You've got Lucy Bronze, Farrell Williams, Alex Greenwood and Rachel Brown Finnis, who have all represented both Merseyside teams. Abby McManus, for example, moved from Man City to Man United. Beth England was on loan at Liverpool while at Chelsea. You know, all these rival teams constantly have players who have played for both sides. We actually spoke to Emma Mitchell in the mix zone after the game about whether she meant the goal and what it's been like to cross the North London divide. And talk, to, talk us through your goal there. They said uh, a couple of weeks ago that Surrey scored the same kind of summer goal against like Redden, so we, we, we worked out in the set pieces this week. To be honest, I never really expected it to go in, but I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, sure. So, um, so just just your thoughts generally on joining Spurs, and I know everyone said that you know you come from Arsenal. Do you see that as a kind of you move from a rival club, or does it not matter so much in the women's game? No, for me, I just feel like in my situation it was just more about getting minutes and stuff, and opportunity he was at Spurs. It just meant that I didn't have to. Um, like move house or up my whole life it was just another 20 minutes down the road so understandable maybe like social media goes a bit mental over stuff like that but for me it's just like an opportunity to go and play football someplace else so yeah i'm just seeing it as a positive thing okay so we're gonna have to agree to disagree on whether emma mitchell meant that goal but this was a, a big win for spurs um they've been kind of mid-table this um this season and it's actually it's actually put them up in fifth which is which is quite impressive, you know, their first season in the WSL. What we really noticed, because obviously we said we want to really talk about tactics in, in Football 51, is the amount of space that Spurs had on the wings when they were in when they were attacking. You know, there was Jilly Flaherty was basically just being pulled across. There was no sign of the West Ham left and right back, and that left so much space for Rosella Ayan to to just terrorize the West Ham defence. Yeah, it was quite interesting that the wing-backs of West Ham, they've been playing in a back five for the past few weeks in the WSL. Obviously, they haven't played for a month, in fact. So they've been playing with a back five in their previous games when they've last actually played because it's been so long. But they played with a back five then. They switched to a back four today, or on Sunday even, which was an interesting decision by Matt Beard, but I think it really did leave them with a lot of problems at the back. Like you said, their full-backs, uh, Laura Vesseline in particular, were constantly out of position and it just gave Rosella Ayan, who's got oodles of pace, just loads of chances to run in behind and exploit that space that was really being left by West Ham, who constantly had a high line. You know, it was a real issue. And Ayan was able to terrorise um, West Ham for the majority of the match. We actually spoke to the Spurs coach, Juan Amaros, after the game as well. And that really seems to have been something that he was targeting during the match. Well, we work on obviously a few things. They've been playing also five at the back in recent games. Today they came with four, and, and that was one of the targets. I think we did well. I think we actually created. I don't know the numbers because I haven't checked them yet, but we created a lot of goals, probably a lot of chances not to not to be worried in the 90th minute to concede an equaliser. So yeah, we knew that was probably one of the strengths, uh, the weaknesses. Sorry, we got players that can exploit those things, and I think they did. Probably we should have been a bit more effective in, in front of goal, but I think in the end we, with Angela coming on and, and having that impact and scoring that goal from Rihanna, it was, everything paid off. I thought another thing that was very interesting in the tactics that Matt Beard actually told us, uh, the West Ham manager actually told us after the game, was that West Ham were in good positions, but they made the wrong decisions. And you saw that time and time again, where they were 
making a wild shot over the crossbar instead of passing to the player who was who was in field and you know you just felt like a team that was maybe out of practice a little bit working together so I, I think that month off must have taken its toll yeah they've obviously had to deal with quite a lot like you mentioned earlier all the illnesses that meant that they missed their Everton game last week which is supposed to be their comeback from the winter break it's a tough time to be a West Ham player but possibly the back four may not have been the correct decision instead of the back five it's something like we say that Juan Amaros really targeted the space in behind it allowed Ian to really really capitalize for me she was the woman of the match but I think for you you said that it was someone different yes my woman of the match was Ashley Neville she plays in the Spurs defense and she she used to be a teacher uh, she gave up her job teaching when she came into the WSL this season. And I just thought she was brilliant today. She cut off the ball through to Lehman every single time. So West Ham would bring the ball up on the right on the right wing, try to make a cross into, into Lehman, and it just never went through because Ashley Neville was always stepping in front. And that caused West Ham real problems trying to get through. She was on every single ball. She put her body on the line. And then also, actually, towards the end of the game, she started pushing up and doing one of her signature runs up the pitch to try and score goals because we know that she likes to score them as well as defend them. <laughs> so Ashley Neville really, really impressed me today. Hi, I'm Rihanna Dean and you're listening to Football 51. Now let's get on to the rest of this weekend's action or inaction in some cases. Liverpool versus Man United was, uh, was called off because of a waterlogged pitch that's Prenton Park. That's the pitch that Emma Hayes was complaining about at the end of last season. What she said, if you remember, is she said, this pitch shouldn't be a part of our league. Our league deserves better standards. And I think Liverpool Football Club, champions of Europe, should provide their women's team with significantly more than they're doing. And she apologised for that. But waterlog pictures have been a real problem for the Women's Super League. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with what she's saying there. We spoke to Matt Beard after the game and he was saying how the quality of the pitch was a real problem for him as well. It's really common across all of the WSL. We had two games called off just before the winter break. A lot of the issues surrounding the women's game is that they want to create a more marketable product. That's impossible if you don't have games going on. So if you don't have games going on because of appalling pitches and because of really sort of basic things that should be going ahead correctly... It's so frustrating to see. Honestly, I mean, I could go on about this all day. Unfortunately, it's a short podcast, so I won't be able to. But the most frustrating thing for Man United will have been that they weren't able to bounce back from their really surprise defeat to Bristol City last week. Yeah, I mean, Bristol City did amazingly last week, didn't they, against Man United? Not quite so well this weekend against Chelsea. They lost 6-1 at Kings Meadow. Now, I would say this is an impressive win for Chelsea, but probably not as big as it could have been. Arsenal beat Bristol City 11-1 at the last half of the season, and uh, Meenemar scoring famously scoring six goals. So Chelsea did well today, but I would argue probably not as well as they could have done. I mean, Sam Kerr, their new signing from Australia, who is the top all-time top scorer in the American League, the NWSL, and the Australian League, the W League, still hasn't scored yet. I know Kaya has a couple of words on that. <laughs> well, it's really upsetting to see that she hasn't scored yet, but it's been really tough for her. She only arrived, I think, something like nine days before her first debut against Reading last week. She's done a lot. She was built, She was involved in the build-up of one of the goals in this 6-1 victory. She came on at half-time. She really influenced the game. She's clearly one of the best players in the world. And, you know, 
we're blessed to have her in English football. It's great to see. She's using her pace to get him behind. I think it's only a matter of time before the goals come. This was also Emma Hayes' 200th game in charge for Chelsea. And also, this means that Chelsea have started the season with six consecutive home wins, which is more than they've ever done before. So, you know, they, they can be hopeful this season. Yeah, I really think they can. I mean, they probably may have left it a little bit too late for a Champions League push. We'll have to see. Manchester City are really holding on to that second spot. We'll talk about them a little bit later. And Arsenal as well, we'll talk about. But the big teams in front of them are the ones that they have to catch. That's who they're looking at. Whether Kirk can sort of fire them back to the Champions League, which is where a club like Chelsea of their size, of their stature really should be, we'll have to wait and see. So Arsenal is one of those big rivals that they'll be fighting with for the top of the of the table. And now Arsenal beat Brighton this weekend 4-0 again. I think that I think they've now beaten Brighton 4-0 for the fourth consecutive time. <laughs> That's, that's quite an impressive stat, isn't it? I mean, it's getting a bit silly. If you're a Brighton player, you sort of wonder whether you should even bother turning up to Broadfield Stadium when Arsenal come into town. It's a tough one. Miedemar didn't even score this time. That's how amazing Arsenal have been. Miedemar didn't score. I mean, is she, is she overrated, Sophie, do you think? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, Only obviously not. one player has scored more goals in the WSL, in the whole WSL season, than Miedemar currently has even though she's only done half of the season. Like, when she scored 22 goals in the last WSL season, that smashed the previous record. But what was really interesting about Arsenal's goals is they were in acres of space. Like, it didn't look like they were being pressured that much from Brighton at all in in their goals, I thought. No, I guess not. I mean, they really were left with too much space by Brighton, that's for sure. It's really a warning shot for Chelsea next week, who play Arsenal it what will be one of the biggest games we've seen in the WSL in history I'd probably say it's going to be really exciting Chelsea are coming to Boreham Wood it's going to be good that rhymes uh Kerr versus Miedemar two of the best sides in the league it's really going to be a heavyweight competition it will and the other title contender outside of Chelsea and Arsenal is Manchester City now Manchester City played Everton on a rare Saturday fixture they won 3-1 and Everton will be disappointed because they had a star signing, didn't they, in the winter transfer window? That's right. They brought in Izzy Christiansen from Leon, who has really been struggling with injuries. She's been very unfortunate that she picked up an ankle knock again. She's been struggling since she, well, since last summer, which kept her off the plane to the World Cup. Easily could have been a starter in Phil Neville's midfield. But to be fair to her, when she was at Leon, she was starting regularly in a team which has won the Champions League a ridiculous number of times now. I think it's like something like four, four or five in a row. Something something stupid. But she was in that team. She was holding down the midfield. It's a massive coup for Everton to have picked her up. And for her, it's a big, it's a big time to impress. She won't want to be out injured because the Olympics are coming up this summer. It's important for her to get back into the England team as well as the Team GB. And she'll, wanting to be, she'll be wanting to impress Phil Neville and she can't do that if she's stuck on the sidelines. Manchester City have been really, really impressive this season and they're a a real threat. And I think that's why Everton will be especially gutted that they didn't have their best squad to put out against the Man City side. Yeah, it was pretty easy. I mean, you could argue that for Man City found that playing the Toffees was a bit like taking candy off a baby, if you'll pardon the pun. But that leaves us with one game left to discuss, which was Reading against Birmingham City. Reading managed to win the game 1-0 thanks to, I think, probably the goal of the weekend from Eklund. It's a lovely lob 
probably just inside, no, just outside the penalty area. She's one-on-one with the goalkeeper and dinks it right over her head. We saw an amazing lob from uh, Wrighton last week as well at Chelsea. It's, I don't know, something about the new year, new lobs, I don't know, a new decade. Something about it. Everyone seems to be doing it. It was great the way she picked up the ball as well. It didn't look like the through ball to her was actually meant to go to her, but then she just turned it around, didn't she, and made, <laughs> made, that, lo- made that lob work. That's actually the first time that Birmingham City have lost to Reading in the WSL. Um, and it's also the first time that Reading have kept a clean sheet in 10 WSL matches. So, you know, quite an impressive performance from Reading there. Well, that's quite surprising news that Reading haven't really been able to keep a clean sheet. You think of them as being a team that's quite solid defensively. You know, last week they did pretty well against Chelsea. Were probably dominating the game for the opening 15 minutes before Grace Maloney got her red card. You wonder how far Reading really could go. You know, they've got a good side there. They've, they've got a good sound defensive basis. They're amazing from set pieces. And you really have to wonder what the ceiling is for a team like Reading. Because they're not going to challenge the sort of the big three. But fourth place is definitely up for grabs. And they're in fourth place now in the table, which is which is good to see. Right, so that's all the games that happened this weekend. Kaya, I'm going to throw to you. Who was your player of the weekend? I know I've already brought her up and I've already sort of shouted her praises a lot, but I'm going to have to say Rosella Ryan. She was a constant menace down the right, down the middle, down the left. You know, Juan Amaros moved her around for most of the game. She was a menace to that West Ham defence. The fullbacks couldn't cope with her. Spurs were just easily knocking balls long over the top to her and she was using her pace to get in behind. The one thing she needs to add to her game, which I'm sure she's been told many times, is goals. It's obviously easier said than done for someone who's just watching on, but if she can just get that composure, that clinical edge in front of goal, she will be looking at an England call-up no problem. That's a big shout. I stand by it. I mean, I... I stand by. I really think she is probably one of the best talents in the Spurs side. But you, you've gone for someone else who could also be possibly looking at an England call-up one day. I've gone for a bit of an, an underdog who could probably also have been my player of the week last week. I've gone for Ebony Salmon, who plays for Bristol City. Now, I know what you'll be saying. Bristol City actually lost 6-1 this weekend. But honestly, she's been brilliant for Bristol City. Her goal against Man United, which won the game for them last week, was a was a piece of individual skill. There was no team build-up there. She just beat Abby McManus and then nutmegged the goalkeeper. And then against Chelsea, you know, she, she had four defenders around her. She picked up the ball that Cuthbert miscontrolled and she just turned and hit the looping shot and was not phased by the four Chelsea defenders who were around her. This girl is 18 years old. I think we've got a lot to expect from her. All right, Kaya, what's your moment of the week? It's tough. There were, I mean, I spoke about the Eklund goal. I spoke about Ian's performance, but it's got to be Rihanna Dean's 97th minute winner for Spurs. The game, as we spoke about earlier, was ridiculous. It was incredible. It just sparked into life for those final 10 minutes. It was a dead second half. There was nothing going on. And then out of nowhere, West Ham get that equaliser, the nine added minutes, the drama... Dean's header for me, moment of the week. What about you? I went for a near miss. So Paulina Bremer scored a brace in the Man City Everton game. And she almost scored a hat trick. It's a brilliant over the head kick. She, She dived, kicked it over the head. And then she, she just hit the crossbar. But 100% top marks for effort. If that had gone in, that would have been, you know... Goal of the WSL 2019 to 2020 season, hands down. So moving from Paulina Bremer to 
her manager. There's been some big news about her manager this week, hasn't there, Kyle? That's right, yeah. Nick Cushing has announced that he will be leaving Manchester City midway through the season next month to go and join New York City FC, where he'll be the assistant manager to Ronnie Daler in the men's team over there. It's a great move for Cushing. Obviously, it's a step up. He's going over to America. Fantastic, great news for him. But you have to wonder the timing of it. It's not ideal. He said it himself. It's going to be tough for Man City to carry on without him. I definitely agree. I mean, he's leaving right after the Arsenal game, but before the game against Chelsea, which is important, he's actually told the media, he said, I don't think the time would ever have been right for me to leave this team. It's been such a huge part of my life. And also, he's been a huge part of the player's life. You know, you listen to Kira Walsh, you listen to Kaz Weir. They all say that credit to Nick Cushing, the way he manages is amazing. Since he's been in charge, since 2013, they've won six trophies. That's three Conti Cups, two FA Cups, one WSL title. You know, he's he's been a really successful manager for Man City. I sort of think it's a shame for the women's game that they're losing a manager like that. But a lot of people have said that actually Man City need that change to start competing with Arsenal and Chelsea, who are sort of upping their game. You know, Man City had that period where they lost three games in the row before Christmas and that was sort of unheard of for a Manchester City side before so perhaps it's the right time for Nick Cushing to move on maybe I mean you have to wonder how Man City are going to get on without him they've never had another manager like you say whilst they were in the WSL he has been symbolic of what that club has been their rise over the past few seasons he's been everything to do with it it's been six great years Maybe it's time for a move on. Maybe it's time for a regeneration and just to really boost their title challenge. But honestly, I don't think he was doing a lot wrong. I think he was making good signings. I think he had them playing well. It's going to be a huge loss to the WSL and the women's game in general. Do you think it means that the places for the Champions League are sort of decided? Do you think it's handing the places to Arsenal and Chelsea? No, I said earlier in the podcast that I think Chelsea may even have left it a little bit too late to launch a a challenge for the WSL Champions League spots. It's going to be difficult for them to get back in there. Man City, you know, Nick Cushing or no Nick Cushing, are still a brilliant team with brilliant players. The legacy that he's left will hopefully stand them in good stead because the more good English teams that are in Europe, the better. From from one big manager to another, Casey Stoney has been giving her opinion on the game this uh, this week, hasn't she, Kaya? She has. She's come out and said uh, that she is against VAR and at the same time has become my favourite manager in the WSL quite quickly. My opinions on VAR are that it is a bad thing, honestly. It's been brought out in the Women's World Cup over the summer. We saw it and mostly it was used just to enforce the rule that goalkeepers can't come off the line for penalty kicks. A stupid rule. We saw it really victimise Scotland. VAR really caused so much unnecessary controversy. It slowed the game down. It was confusing. If you're a fan in the stadium, you've got no idea what's going on. And I have to agree with what she's saying, to be honest. She doesn't want it introduced into the WSL and neither do I. So the main concerns that Casey Stoney have is she said, we're lucky if we get one camera, let alone 15. So how would you be able to even do the VAR? Also, she said they don't have the resources for it. They don't have the money. But she would like to see goal line technology because that's more black and white. I mean, VAR spits opinion all the time. They were actually chanting it at the Spurs-West Ham game. But um, that's Casey Stoney's opinion. Whether you agree or not, well, let us know. I think they were charting VAR with a few sort of hints of irony rather than actually sort of hoping for it. 
I think goal line technology could work. I think goal line technology does work quite simply. If you can get the cameras on the goal, I'm not exactly sure how it works. It's science. It just goes beyond my head. I didn't do science. I did history. But I think if you can get it involved in the women's game, it will make it a much better place. I think it will become a lot more respected because the referees will have a much easier job. It's tough enough as it is, you know, having to referee games at such sort of high intensity and speed. But if you can help them out as much as possible, do. But at the same time, don't do it at the detriment of the free-flowing nature of the game that I think we all love. Certainly is the game that we all love or that you'll learn to love by listening to this podcast. (laughs) We've got more football up this weekend. Some exciting ties to look out for. What have we got in store, Kaya? Well, in the WSL, like we spoke about earlier, we've got the Arsenal versus Chelsea game, which is the highlight of the weekend. Probably my game of the week. But there are also big ties going on lower down the table. Man City have the chance to leapfrog both, uh, leapfrog Arsenal even when they take on Birmingham. If Arsenal don't get the result they need in that game, Man City can go top of the league. Big mid-table clash between Spurs and Man United. Everton taking on Reading in another mid-table clash, which could be you know pivotal for that race for fourth place like we were talking about. And when it comes to the drop, there is a huge relegation six-pointer between Liverpool, who have yet to win all season. They go up against Bristol City, who are just one place above them. That will be huge. There's also the Continental Cup this week. It's midweek action. The biggest tie is probably Arsenal versus Reading. That's the WSL tie. But there's also a chance for Sheffield United and Aston Villa to knock the WSL teams off their high horses and um, cause some upset in the Continental Cup. Lots more great stuff to look out for. And we'll be covering it all next week on Football 51. See you then. Crossing and then wide, brilliant finish! And it's picked out Siri Ball, who looks to pick out the corner! Oh, sick! And here's the danger, Sam Kerr is away! Is this to be her moment? And she pick out a yellow shirt, it's Miedemar! And Vivian Miedemar scores again!